0: All right, this is lesson number six in hermeneutics, So we're going to be looking today at Psalm number 25, to begin with, Psalm number 25, verse number nine, where he says, the meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. You remember how we're told in James chapter one, verse 21, to with meekness, to take And receive and embrace and accept the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Meekness has much to do with gentleness. It has much to do with a non-combative spirit. A non-resistant spirit. It has much to do with a, in relationship to God, with a willingness to be led. So, it's very important. Notice also verse 14. Of Psalm 25, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear Him. And he will show them His covenant. We're talking about today the heart in Bible study. Look at Psalm number 119, verses 1 and 2. <clears throat> Excuse me. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep His testimonies and that seek Him with the whole heart. So there's a heart of meekness, of being undefiled, of submission. That is necessary in the study of the Bible. Uh, this is so important. Because remember. Uh, this is going to be a short lesson. But there's much to be here. I want you to take the notes. I encourage you strongly. With every lesson. To go over the notes for yourself. Uh, as students of the Bible. We should be like the Bereans. And search the scriptures daily. Whether these things are so. And so I encourage you. Take the notes. Go back. Check me out. Because. Because. That's so important. So come come to the Scripture, and what do we do? Scripture given by inspiration of God, chapter uh, 2 Timothy 3. In Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13, he says, The Word of God is quick or alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart, neither, notice this, neither is there any creature that is not manifested in his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Notice how he moves from the word of God to the very person of God. When you come to the word of God, you're in God's presence. Jesus is the word. He was the word made flesh. When he returns, the name on his thigh in Revelation chapter 19 is the word of God. And so you come in and there's a certain a manner we should approach him. We saw in our Pentateuch study in Exodus how Moses had to approach God in a certain way. He was on holy ground. We saw he prescribed a certain manner of worship. And so God has to be approached in a certain way. And it's his way. And when we come into his word, we're coming into his presence. We cannot, we must not be careless and disrespectful or flippant or casual with our Bibles. I'm I'm a little funny, not funny, haha, but funny peculiar, and I, most of y'all are already nodding your heads because you know me. But I'm peculiar about my Bibles. I love Bibles. I love fine bindings, and I'm very particular about who touches them, how long they touch them, and what is done with them. There's an Allen Bible that I have that I like to preach out of on Sunday mornings. I take it. I, I take it with me in my box. When I get to church, I take it out of the box and take it in. When I finish, I go and put it back in the box, put the lid back on it till I get to the next church. And I take it out and put it back in. And it stays in that box all week long. I study out of another Bible. I preach out of another Bible on Sunday evenings and teach out of another on Wednesday nights. But I'm very particular. I want them to last. I don't want them mistreated. I don't want them... Abused, but that's just leather and ink and paper. But I love the fact that I have God's word, and it's <clears throat> excuse me, and so to speak, in a durable packaging. And I want to take care of it and respect it. I should be much more so when I realize that God is speaking to me. We should be meek. We should be, as James chapter 1, verses 19 through 25 tells us, we should meekly hear and do the word of God because verse 25 said, that's where a man is blessed or happy. Notice this. Uh, This is something that bothers me. There are a lot of people that say that maybe God wants us to be happy and not holy. Well, God calls us to be happy in holiness. We need to keep that in mind because God did not call us to be miserable. He called us to be happy in holiness. And a long face is a poor advertisement for Jesus Christ. Let us meekly come to God in His Word and submit, believe, and obey in order to be happy. We should be, uh, as he said in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 16, surrendered to God, obeying. Not just when the preachers are around, not just when mom and dad are grandparents, the people who influence us around. We should do things without grumbling and fussing and fighting and arguing so that we would shine as a light as God's sons. We should be like Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 3. Speak, Lord, for thy servant heath. I need to come to my Bible with the meekness that says the God of the universe, my creator, my judge, but also my Redeemer and my Savior and my Father is speaking to me. So I will listen. notice verse 18 of Psalm 119. He says, Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy life. You can also look at your notes, see verses 27 and 26. They also present to us this, uh, the picture of prayer and submission. This is absolutely important. We must pray, God, teach me. We must submit, God, I'm willing to listen and learn. Teach me. We must realize we all have preconceived notions. Some of them are right, and some of them are wrong. We must come to the Scripture not simply to enforce and reinforce what we think we know, but to hear what God has to say. We need to pray that God would open our hearts and open our minds that we might learn. Remembering James chapter 1, verses 19 through 21, we're told to lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word. 1 Peter chapter 2, the first three verses, laying aside malice, guile, hypocrisies, envies, and evil speakings receive and desire and crave the milk of the word. Look at Psalm 119 again, verse 113, as he says, I hate vain thoughts, but thy law do I love. There are things that we'll not learn so long as we harbor a passion for sin within us. We should be a praying people, we should be a an always repenting people. For those of you who are fathers, as fathers, we're to be the repenters-in-chief of our home. As pastors, we're to be the repenters-in-chief in our flocks. We need to work on asking God, show me my sin, show me my error, humble me in mercy, give me a heart and a passion that I am willing to submit to you and get rid of sin. We've got to lay aside things in order to receive the word. To use the um, parable, so to speak, or analogy of a vessel. Remember when the widow of a prophet came to Elijah, and she had nothing to live on, was fixing to be foreclosed upon, her sons impressed into indentured servitude. He told her what to do, and he told her get empty pots and fill them with all out of that little thing of all she had. For us to be filled, we first have to be empty. For us to be filled with the Spirit, for us to be filled with the Word, for us to be full of grace, we must be emptied. Then we have to have a desire to be changed. Come again to Psalm 119. Um. <clears throat> in our Faithway Sunday School literature, our fourth quarter is dealing with Psalm 119. and um, I didn't write the greatest of lessons, but uh, that was my brainchild that would come to the Word and have in, uh, incubated and within us, um, bred within us, encouraged and nurtured and cultivated within us a passion, a longing, a desire, and a reverence for God's Word. And notice in verse 7 of Psalm 119, he said, I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I was shall have learned thy righteous judgments. In other words, this man's prayer is to be changed by God's word so that he can glorify God. Look at verses 32 and 33. I will run the way of thy commandments when thou shalt enlarge my heart. Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. God, teach me, change me, so that I can please you, so that I can honor you, It's an humble approach. It's an approach that recognizes the sovereignty of God, the power of God, the power of His Word, and His power to change us. A desire to change in order to glorify God. There's a need to crave the Word. Remember 1 Peter chapter chapter 2, verse 3, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. Sincere speaks of that which is unadulterated. We're to crave it. How does a baby crave milk? He cries. He screams. He lets it be known I want it. He wants it passionate. We're taught to crave it and desire it in Proverbs 2, as one would be crave and desire riches. And it's certainly um, more important than that. We're to crave it and desire it so much than in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, we're taught to Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That is, study there means to give diligence. It doesn't deny the fact that we need to come and spend time in the word. It reinforces the fact, but that we're to do that with diligence. We're to do it with effort. We're to do it with time and painstaking effort. And remember that he said that much study, Solomon said, is weariness to the flesh. We need to wear ourselves out in the pursuit of knowledge and wisdom and understanding. We, there's a heart that craves it. You know, the person who um, seeks after riches will do anything. Remember First Timothy chapter 6, verse 10? The love of money is the root of all evil. What does it mean? When you love money and when you're greedy and you want to be rich... You will do anything to get it. How much do I want to learn God's Word? Boy, that just smites my heart. Honestly, I'm I'm ashamed of myself. You might say, well, Brother Jason, I know you know a lot. And I I understand. I'm not even pretending to be arrogant. I'm just saying, I realize I know a lot. But knowing myself and knowing the abilities God has given me and knowing the time that God has given me and knowing that I've not applied myself the way I should leaves me ashamed of myself. I cannot strut my stuff and brag about myself about what I know because there's too much that I don't know. and It's my fault. The reason I don't know it is I haven't wanted to know it haven't wanted it enough. And that's sad. And it saddens me and it breaks my heart. Because there are people that need me and they depend on me. Teenage children, my wife, the flock that I pastor. Brothers, let us crave God's word. Look at Psalm number one sometime. Meditate upon it. There's an interesting thing. You can also read in Joshua 1, verses 7 and 8, where Joshua was taught to meditate upon the word. Then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then shalt thou have good success. The way of success, the way of prosperity, the way to stand in the judgment is to meditate on the word. To meditate doesn't mean, as the um, yoga people and the eastern mystics say, just to blank out your mind and sit and wait for it to be filled. But rather it's to um, murmur over something. It brings to picture someone who's sitting with a puzzle. And so he's thinking out loud and he's mumbling to himself, talking to himself as he's trying to figure it out. I'm, I'm just a country boy. I grew up out here and there's a lot of things I don't know about farming. But my grandparents, when I was a little boy, had dairy cows. I worked on a dairy when I was a teenager boy. Meditation reminds me of a cow chewing its food chews it up, swallows it down. As she grazes, later on she gets to a point she can rest, she breaks it back up, and she chews on it more. So, see, she can digest it properly. Now, that's what we need to do. We hide the word in our heart that we might not sin against God, but we also bring it back up, what we read, what we study, and we, we mull it over, and we spend our time to think on it, we hash it together, and David, um, Paul prayed for Timothy even to. He said, "The Lord give thee understanding in all things. That is, the Lord enable you to put things together. It's only as we meditate that we put things together, and as we meditate upon God's word, and we sit and we silently and quietly think on it, that we." come to realizations that God's Word shows us things about ourselves. Brothers, let us not be in a hurry with God's Word. Take the time to think on it. Take the time to relate one section to another. We're going to come um, to more study skills in our next lesson. But we're going to relate one section to another. And that takes time to think. Do it with a pencil in hand, paper in hand. Do it by marking up your Bible and taking notes. Give you a good wide margin Bible. Get you a felt tilt, fine felt tilt pen that's archival quality so that the oils on your fingers don't smudge the ink across your page. Get you a Bible that will last so that you can take those notes and go back over them years from now. Leave it as an heirloom to your children, but let it be a symbol And a tool and a sign and the fruit of meditation. Read Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, as well as Isaiah chapter 65, verses 1 and 2, where it teaches us we're to have a godly fear and trembling. In Hebrews chapter 12, when Moses came into the presence of God at Mount Sinai, Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. God is very quiet. In the scriptures, it seems there is no thunder, there is no lightning, there are no clouds and fire. But it should light within us—a fire. It should stir our souls. It should shake our minds. It should stir up and uh, invigorate our conscience and our passions. And so we should have a godly fear and trembling, because God is speaking to us the same as He did to Israel. In fact. According to Hebrews chapter 1, not only did he speak to the fathers by the prophets, he's now speaking to us by his son. We have a greater responsibility than Moses did. Be committed. Look at again Psalm 119 verses 50 and 51. This is my comfort and my affliction, for thy word is quick in me. The proud have great, had me greatly in derision, yet have I not declined from thy law. Even in the difficult times, David stuck with the word. It's so easy to walk away. It's so easy to quit. It's so easy to give up. It's so easy to throw up our hands in despair. And brothers as pastors, you can stay in the pulpit. Brothers as church members, you can stay in the church. And yet find that there are things that you quit on. I'm going to tell you something. I'm not happy with my ministry. I allowed myself in many ways to get beat down. I allowed my own sin to get in the way, my own pride. And there are things that I realized that I quit on God on, that I'm having to fix. And I wouldn't have had to fix them and have the trouble of fixing them if 20 years ago I hadn't slacked up. I'm not an old man yet, at least not extremely old, but I'm old enough, brothers, I want to tell you, please do not be a person who gives up. You don't have to be stubborn. but really. You have to be steadfast. You come to the Word. And when you find difficulties in the Word, remember that God gives grace. And if He doesn't give you understanding today, you'll read something later on and things will come together. That's the glory of study. That's the glory of commitment. Be committed to the word so that even in the hard times you find the word is what God uses to suffer. Listen to John chapter 8 verse 31 and the words of our Lord Jesus. Because this is so important. Verses 31 and 32 of John 8. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. People who are truly disciples, disciples indeed, truly follow Christ, abide in God's Word. They're committed to God's Word. They stay studying God's Word. They learn from God's Word. They believe God's Word. They obey God's Word. God's Word is in them, and they live in it. If you abide in me and my words, abide in you. He said in chapter 15 of John, you shall ask what you will, which shall begin. be given you. The answers, the greatest answers of prayer, are given to those who are committed to God's word. And when the hard times come, don't quit. It comforts you, it brings you through, it strengthens you, it enables you. Hold fast, brother, to the blood stained book, because you have a spirit-enlightened and heart if it is. And God will enable you, guide you, direct you, strengthen you. All of these things to this point about the nature and character of ourselves and of God's Word and ourselves in relationship to God's Word. Next week, Lord willing, we're going to begin to pick up with specific issues of how to study, and I hope that those things can be a blessing, and maybe I can try to set forth some examples. Brother Wade has done a a great job so far when it comes to the issues of preaching, showing some of these things, and so much of this will be still refreshing you but it lays a foundation for us to go farther and farther and farther and deeper by making good habits, laying good foundations, and having a trained heart. You pray for me, brothers, that my heart will be trained as well to submit to God's will.